0: Yeah, really good to be with you. Wherever I go now, I'm asked to teach on the subject of the kingdom of God. In fact, it's one of the things that where I go tomorrow, they've asked me to teach on there. Um, in, mo- in all different uh, apostolic spheres within the New Frontiers family, that's seemingly all they want me to speak-, to speak about nowadays. They say, come and speak about the kingdom of God. This time it's most unusual in that Jim asked me to preach the same message that I spoke at your Ashburnham conference, your Ashburnham festival. I've I've been asked once before to do that, a church where uh, I'd been at a festival and I was asked to preach the same message when I went to the church a few weeks later. But it's unusual. (laughs) Obviously, Jim needs to hear it again. (laughs) And... uh, You know, uh, know, the Bible says some are slow of heart to learn. (laughs) But obviously felt that it would be, because we could have had a conversation over the telephone, but felt it would be helpful for you to hear it again if you were there and to hear it for the first time if you weren't. And the truth about what we term the kingdom of God means that we celebrate and extend the dynamic ruling of Jesus over every part of life in every nation on earth so in every sector of life we celebrate the ruling of Jesus in work, in family, in arts in everything and in every nation Jesus, when he says all authority is given in heaven and on earth to me, it means everything. And the Bible speaks, and we may get to the scripture later if I get time, says in order that he might fill everything. So, it's a prophetic theme, particularly for us who started as a movement by emphasizing the importance of the local church, but we now... Equally emphasize world and local mission and the truth of the kingdom without losing the center of it in the local church, which is the agent for world mission and bringing the kingdom. Okay, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Now I'm going to do this through two scenes. Uh, The first scene, a story about the kingdom from Jesus. I always preach from stories when I'm preaching in churches on Sundays, sometimes if I'm doing leader seminars, occasionally I don't do a story, although I was with um, Oxford leader, Emmanuel Church, Oxford leaders. by the way, Matt Partridge sends his love, it's amazing, you have to work with two Partridges two days running, Uh, but uh, some of you may remember him, he used to be around here, okay, and... um, even in that context, I taught from stories. When I was in the country that I was in fairly recently, I talked what I called apostolic foundations, but I did it all from the parables of Jesus. So, here's the story. If you want to follow it, you can follow it in Matthew 13 24 to 30, and 36 to 43. But if not, just listen to me. And listen to me anyway, even if you're following it. Okay. A wealthy landowner with many servants arranged for his servants to sow seeds of wheat in his fields. After the wheat had been sown, while everybody slept, an enemy came to those fields. Now, sleeping there was not a bad thing and you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, it means you uh, be careful what, w- when you sleep and all that." No, 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 you sleep after a hard day's work, okay? And that's what they were doing. So there's nothing wrong with sleeping here. It's perfectly natural. But an enemy started to work as well. The enemy was deceptive, and he sowed what is believed to be a weed called darnel, which looks like weed, looks like wheat in its early stages but when it starts to produce grain is totally different okay as you see totally different but at the beginning it looks the same well when the ears of wheat began to show it was obvious that darnel was there too and his servants came to him and said didn't you sh- sow so good seed in your field Now, the Bible's an Eastern book, and I love the Eastern touches that keep coming through this. Because, of course, the servants really sowed all the the seed, but they honoured their master by saying, you sowed it. So didn't you sow good seed? The landowner recognised that an enemy had done this. And so he said, no, an enemy's come. Well, they said, shall we pull up the weeds? I mean, that's a natural reaction, isn't it? If you suddenly see weeds in a field. No, said the landowner wisely. If you do that, you may pull up some of the good weed as well. Leave it till harvest. It may not look too good. Wheat and darnel growing together. But darnel has such strong, deep roots that if you pulled it up, you were sure to pull up as well some of the uh, smaller roots of the wheat. Well, Jesus just left it there, really. That's how he often taught great stories enough to get people's interest but then his disciples later said to him Jesus please explain to us the parable of the weeds well Jesus explained this is what the growth of the kingdom of God will be like The one who sows is the Son of Man, Jesus himself. Now, in the story, it said a man sowed, past tense, seed. Here, he says the one who sows, which is, forgive me being teaching some grammar here, but this is the continuous present tense. Why? Because Jesus is still sowing this seed in his field. The good seed here is not like in one of the other stories Jesus told, the word of God. The good seed here is the people of the kingdom. It is us, if you're a believer in Jesus, and every believer through the centuries. You are sown by God for kingdom purposes. Now, The field is the world, not the church. Friends, it's great that we understand the wonder of the church and that we're part of it. But where you're sown by God for his kingdom is the world, not the church. Understand See, sometimes Christians think you've got to go as far away from the world as possible. Jesus said exactly the opposite. In fact, he once said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, Father. Rather, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending you. So you are sown in the world for kingdom purposes by Jesus himself. Who, whatever you do, wherever you are, don't just think of it, I've chosen a career. Think of it as Jesus has sown me here. Whether your school teachers, businessmen or women, social workers, health professionals, musicians, dancers, Caterers, carpenters, plumbers, etc. I'm sorry I haven't covered everybody's career here. Whether you're staying at home with your family, whether you're retired, whether you're temporarily unemployed, you're in that situation because Jesus has shown you there. Very interesting. I was in a particular city where they have one of the most famous ballet companies in the world, and I was preaching on a. It was on a Thursday evening. I remember this young guy came up to me afterwards and said, "I said, I'm so glad you did your teaching on a Thursday evening. That's a strange thing to say. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's where they when they invited me." I was staying to the Sunday as well. He said, because I can hardly ever get there on Sunday because of my job. I said, well, what's your job? And he was one of the principal dancers of this amazing ballet company. And he was very interested in what I had to say. He was on fire for God. And I just said, wonderful. In the world of ballet, Jesus is sowing people into the world everywhere sometimes he'll sow you into a different place into another nation you need lots of people to go to other nations but I'll keep off that one too much There's lots of hard places to go even harder than Burgess Hill Or into another job where you can shine for the kingdom. Or into a new social action venture. But an enemy, the devil, is at work in the field as well. What's the field? The world. So the devil is at work in the world, which is obvious as well. And Jesus is saying the growth of the kingdom of God will always be like this. Because many of us think, if only the kingdom of God really grew and grew and grew, somehow all the evil in the world wouldn't be there. Sorry, that's not true. People sometimes say to me, will things get better or worse before Jesus returns? Answer, both. (laughs) The kingdom will grow. And always it's going to be like it. Surely we don't want both growing together. Well, dealing with it may destroy the growth of the good in the kingdom as well. That's what Jesus is saying. It's going to be like this until the end. Until we've taken the gospel to every ethnic group, it will be like this. The enemy will be at work as well as the power of the gospel. It's why the problems of the world grow as well as the gospel growing. Sometimes even the church, even though the field's not the church, the church gets affected by what the enemy is doing in the world. Because the darnel looks like wheat and we get confused. So even racism, materialism, corruption and humanistic teaching can come into the church as well. One of the countries that I work a lot in is Ukraine. There should be a map of it going up. Okay. Well, I used to go to the east of Ukraine, and our churches there, about 40 churches, were doing brilliantly, up to about four or five years ago. Actually, they're still doing brilliantly, but that's later in the story. Churches were growing, doing great works of the kingdom, Great social action. Then suddenly, churches had to flee. Their buildings were seized. War came. Some of my closest friends had to flee for their lives. They were personally threatened. This past week, one of our pastors there was arrested. Praise God, he's been set free again. so the kingdom was growing and yet suddenly there's all that about 60% of the churches fled as refugees however has the kingdom stopped growing? no the kingdom's growing there just let me tell you the story about Krasnogorovka, now remember that name it's an important place Krasnogorovka, say to your neighbor Krasnogorovka (laughs) Okay. Krasnogorovka is between the two front lines of the Ukrainian army and the separatist forces. Therefore, it gets bombarded most nights. Although last time I was over there, they'd all agreed to stop bombarding for a few weeks for harvest. (laughs) But... now 90% of that church which was a great church there fled as refugees the guy at Ledin and his family a great friend of mine called Ivan his wife Vera they stayed now they and the church are the centre of the town because all water was cut off But we've got a borehole dug on church land, which waters the town. The church building is open 24/7. People come to it all the time. Many people can't do their washing in their homes. There's banks and banks of washing machines in the church, where people can just come and wash their clothes free. Ukrainian soldiers come and have their shower in the church. There's a prayer meeting every morning. Church is bigger than it ever was, except not everyone's a believer yet, if you see what I mean. In fact, Ivan said to me, oh, I've had to change the way I do things because, you know, all my members fled. So even not all my welcome team are yet saved, but it's but well, they're on the journey. <laughs> so the kingdom's growing. And the enemy's growing as well. This is the principle of doing, good, doing kingdom work. It's as well to understand it when frustration comes. However, at the end, all will be made clear and the fruitfulness of the wheat will be rewarded. There will be a final day of God's judgment when Jesus returns and the good is gathered in and the evil thrown out of the kingdom. So Jesus is saying, be patient. A Popular word, isn't it, that? In today's society, be patient. The kingdom grows over all. But in a particular place, it may ebb and flow. Take a long term view. We think 20 years is a long time. No, even 2,000 years is just two days to God. But be encouraged. As we plant churches in this nation and across the world, Jesus is sowing sons and daughters of the kingdom who cause the kingdom of God to advance. You may not see the full picture in your own lifetime. Probably won't. Don't be discouraged. Sow people for the future. It Always takes a long time. Evil grows alongside the good, so don't worry. The Bible says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some may understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Long-term view is necessary. A couple of years ago, Scylla and I were in Paris, and we went around, as you do, around Notre Dame. Okay? Beautiful building. And it's good to honour the faithfulness of previous generations, even if they didn't do things quite the way we do. They never got into warehouses. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> well, the first architect, we read this. first architect made the first drawing in the dust... In 1160. Groundbreaking and laying of the cornerstone was 1163. The cathedral was completed in 1345. (laughs) Takes a long time. (laughs) That's okay. Don't be in a hurry. Just do what you're meant to do. Another cathedral in Barcelona. Gaudi the architect was asked, why did it take so long to build this cathedral? He said, oh, it's simple, he said, my client's not in a hurry. (laughs) God can move fast, but often he moves slowly. Can you live with that? Not a very popular message, this, is it? In today's instant society, Reaching unreached people groups, which is the call of God upon us, isn't it? People have never heard the gospel. You'd love to plant churches when there's no Christians, wouldn't you? Got no discontent from other churches come and join you. <laughs> but it takes a long time. Both for great missionary pioneers. J.O. Fraser and William Carey, seven years before there were any converts. We were working in one place, which is an unreached people group, and the team had been working there for a long time, and they'd seen one or two converts, actually. Now we've got local leadership and everything. It's grown great. But one pastor said to me, after he'd sent someone else to have a look, he said, I'm not going to send anyone there, he said. It's not bearing any fruit. Come on. Always taken years to get the gospel established amongst the unreached. He wouldn't have sent J.O. Fraser either. (laughs) Sorry. But at the end, it says, the righteous, the sons of the kingdom... Or, people of the kingdom, sons and daughters, it's inclusive, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Hallelujah. Jesus says, Have you seen the, Jesus says it's going to be like that. You'll shine. Have you seen the brightness of the sun in the Middle East? Glorious, hot, intensely bright. That's your wonderful future, sons and daughters of the kingdom. Now, however, you shine where Jesus has sown you, but not so intensely. Notice Jesus says, in the kingdom of their father. It's not just that your servants sowing the seed, but your sons and daughters of an amazing, wonderful, loving father who cares for you now and will demonstrate you in all your glory along with Jesus in the future. just keep going. Well... I won't have time for all of this, but I will do scene two a little bit. The purpose of leadership gifts to the church. You say, that's a bit of a change of gear. Well, listen. The Bible says this Ephesians 4 grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. by the way, these are inclusive terms to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now usually, in our circles, we've taught those verses as, equip- as leadership equipping people to serve in the church. And I've taught that. However, I now understand more clearly that there's a bit in brackets in our Bibles. Those brackets weren't in the original. That says, Christ ascended that he might fill all things. Now that's in brackets, so we skip over it. And get on to the real business about what apostles and prophets and the others do. Wrong. You see, Ephesians 4 is written in a kingdom context. It relates to the ruling of Jesus throughout the world, which is one of the key messages of the whole book of Ephesians. And I was reading a commentary one day and found these words. Having achieved dominion over all the powers through his victorious ascent, that's when Jesus ascended on high, he sovereignly distributes gifts to the members of his body. The building of the body, that's the church, is inextricably linked... With his intention of filling the universe with his rule, since the church is his instrument in carrying out his purposes for the cosmos. How does the Lord, how does, will Jesus fill everything? According to this scripture, through people taking the kingdom into every part of life, that's how he will fill everything. So when you go to work tomorrow, Just think to yourself. I am now stepping into something where I am showing the ruling of Jesus in those circumstances. You might say, but I haven't got opportunity to share the gospel. That's not the point. It's not appropriate sometimes to do that, though you can if people ask. That's how I led people to Christ when I was in a real job. Because they asked. They saw something. But you are bringing the glory of Christ because you're sown as sons and daughters of the kingdom in that place. And leadership... See, it starts off... That section doesn't start off with leaders at all. It starts off with, to each one, grace has been given. Now we think of that, okay, so each one serves in the church. Yes, but not only. And not probably more importantly in Ephesians 4. More importantly, each one of you has grace from God to fulfill his purposes where you work, where you do your leisure, where you bring up your family, all these things. Yeah. And leadership is to equip you to do that. Christ's giving of ministers of the word to build up the whole body into his fullness is interwoven with the goal of his pervading the cosmos with his presence and rule. These guys always write brilliant stuff, but it's always hard to understand. But what he's saying is you get leaders in the church to build up the whole body with the goal of pervading the whole world With the rule of Christ. So your leadership team in the church, those who are in Ephesians 4 ministries in your church, are here to better equip you to take, because you are the ones that take the rule of Christ into the world. They equip you to do that. They equip you. So that wherever you go, you bring something of the glory of Christ. Even if, like I preached on Queen Esther once at our, our own Catalyst Festival, that's a group of churches I'm involved with. And she had to seemingly compromise. She couldn't even say she was a Jew. But when the moment came, I mean, she was in the harem of the king. None of you are that far into it, are you? You're know, some difficult jobs, some of you. And you I've preached on this, that she seemingly had to compromise, but when it came to it, she saved the nation. She came to the kingdom, it says, for such a time as this. And I know people, I had loads of social workers respond to that message, because sometimes they have to do things which... And make decisions which somehow very strict Christians might criticise them as compromising. No, no. They're having to fulfil certain things. The enemy is at work as well. They have to do these things. But something of the kingdom will still come through them. And we've got to learn to live with that in today's post-Christendom Britain. And the church itself is to demonstrate what the kingdom's like. So, forgive me, just another quote. As a foretaste of this grand hope, of Christ filling everything, the very existence of the church, a society of pardoned rebels. Amen. A multiracial community in which Jews and Gentiles have been brought together in unity in the one body, is the means God uses to manifest his richly diverse wisdom to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. So the future kingdom is demonstrated in the church. Because the church always consists of bringing together in unity all the people in the place where they happen to live. Now where I happen to live means that our church is 40% non-white British okay you probably don't have quite those proportions in mid Sussex but wherever you are you bring together all races because ch- racism is totally the opposite of the kingdom and yet the church has often been racist in the past the church is where all classes come together No other place where all different social groups meet. But the church demonstrates what the kingdom of God is, all these people coming together. sometimes been a problem for the church. We don't do it. There's a program that some of you may see. For old guys like me, our wives want to watch it, so we do as well called Call the Midwife. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I enjoy it really, but I have to say that, otherwise I haven't, I'm not cool enough. But in the last episode, and it was the mid-60s, there was a nurse from the Caribbean who was being rejected by her white church And it showed this wonderful meeting in someone's house of Caribbean Christians celebrating Jesus. It was one of the most favourable things in an ordinary programme on television I've seen about the church, to be honest. It was wonderful. And it got it right, too. Because she'd been rejected. And that happened a lot in England in the 50s and 60s. We were not welcoming. Church is a place where all people that immigrate, it, 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 all people that come to this na- nation are wonderfully welcomed because we know that's a foretaste of heaven. Amen. Of course, because that's the kingdom. Because the church, as a result, comes to unity and maturity. Maturity means reflecting Christ. Man and woman together were created in the image of God. Christ came as the perfect representation of his Father. We, it says, are being transformed into his image. We are attaining to the maturity of Christ. That's what it says in that scripture we just read. Massive truth. What that means is that God's kingdom purposes is to see the image of God restored because men and women together were commanded to fill the earth and and rule together everywhere. Okay? Complementary, different? Because Genesis 1 is all about difference, night and darkness, heaven and earth, and so on. Men and women. It's a one, but it's a wonderful expression that together, men and women make the impact for the rule of God in the world. And that's what being restored to his image involves. Do you see? why it's so important that we're not male emphasis or female emphasis but rather together demonstrating the rule of Christ each functioning according to the gifts God's given us for the church and the gifts God's given us for the world well I'll leave, there's just a couple more points, leave those. Let me just quickly read the scripture and I'm going to pray for you. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. Because I read the scripture at the end, not the beginning often. Why? Because if I do it at the beginning, people, if they've been Christians a long time, switch off. Shouldn't do that when the word of God's read. But if I've taught it first, you listen to make sure I've said what's right, okay? So do that. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But at night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seeds represents the King people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. So pretty clear, isn't it? <laughs> Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world the son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil and the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand you got ears to hear come well, talk to me i'm used to people talking to me when i preach don't you do that here you got ears to hear you're sown into the world so that God's the the rule of Jesus Christ might fill everything that's what you do when you do your job that's what you do when you bring up your family that's what you do when you enjoy your leisure that's what you do when you're into the arts and crafts. That's what you do in all these things. You're glorifying Jesus in the areas of, that you're called to do. I want to pray for you. Let's stand together.